You're listening to Cubicle to CEO, episode 177. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our quarter four 2022 income report. If you are new to the show and this is your first ever income report that you're listening into, I highly recommend you go back and listen to some other episodes, other income reports after you finish listening to this one. It will provide you a lot more information about why we started sharing these income reports four years ago, um, what my heart behind sharing these numbers with you so transparently are, and of course, serving a greater mission of making money a normal thing to talk about and making sure that our collective financial literacy is elevated through these conversations. So if you're interested in listening to our past income reports, we've compiled all of them into one easy to find playlist for you. If you head over to ellenyin.com slash income report, that will get you access to the playlist. I always love the last income report of each year because it's a chance for me to reflect not only on the last 90 days, but the entire year at large. And that's what we'll do here today. I will give you the numbers for the last 90 days, which covers the months of October, November, and December, 2022. But then we'll zoom out and take a larger bird's eye view at the entire year of 2022, what went down in the business and the context around these numbers. Let's jump right on in. Welcome to Cubicle to CEO, the podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Yin. I quit my job without a backup plan and bootstrapped my first $300 freelance project into $2 million in revenue by age 28. On this show, you'll hear weekly case study interviews with leading entrepreneurs and CEOs who share one specific strategy that successfully grew their business revenue. Skip the expensive and time-consuming learning curve of testing everything yourself by borrowing what actually works from the best and brightest mentors. You'll also get a front row seat to my founder's journey through transparent income reports and behind the business solo episodes. Subscribe now so we can grow together every Monday. All right, let's start with the Q4 numbers. So we're looking at October, November, December, 2022. And what's interesting is that in October and November, we actually had two of our highest profit percentage margin months. What I mean by this is in both of those months, our profit margins were greater than 40%, where normally we are aiming for a 30% pre-tax profit margin. And this doesn't necessarily mean that our net revenue or our net profit was uh, the highest in terms of absolute dollar amounts. Because if you remember from our previous quarterly income report, we had a really large final launch for our signature program in the summer. So in terms of absolute dollars, you know, one of the months in the summer was probably our highest profit month. But in terms of percentages, October and November performed very well. And then December to kind of a nosedive. And I'll explain why that was actually intentional in terms of how we were planning our cash flow. So I'll get to that in just a moment. But if we're looking at hard numbers, in those three months, so in the last 90 days, we made about $113,000 in revenue. Um, and then our overall profit from those three months were about 30, a little over 31,000. Now, when you look at that, 
those aren't great numbers. Like uh, out of the entire year, those are actually, I think, maybe our weakest numbers as a quarter overall. But it makes complete sense in terms of the decisions that we made. And I am honestly not worried about those numbers. So let me give you a little context here. In October, we were gearing up for our next Pay to Create Challenge, our eighth live cohort that took place in early November. So we had some sales from that. We also landed a renewal of one of our um, big brand partners, and they signed another five-figure contract. And then we landed a few higher four-figure partnerships in that month as well between October and November. So there were definitely sales coming in from pay to create, and then of course the brand partnerships. Keep in mind, however, that since we retired our signature program in August of 2022, and since we haven't really replaced that offer as of yet, there was nothing that we were actively selling outside of that one launch for pay to create. So outside of that pay to create challenge, and any brand partnerships that we would have, there was nothing on a day-to-day evergreen basis that anybody in our audience could actually buy. So that's why these numbers, when I got them back, actually surprised me that October and November, we had higher profit margins because our uh, income for both of those months was pretty steady in, in terms of what we had been showing most of the year. So we didn't have a sharp drop off in revenue, and then our profits were actually higher in those two months. And that was a pleasant surprise because I was really expecting in Q4 for all three months to take a pretty steep, uh, you know, drop off in in both revenue and profit since we had essentially altogether stopped selling to our audience right over the last. I mean, I say 90 days because we're talking about Q4, but it's really been almost a full year of not a whole lot of selling going on. And what's really cool about this is. And I'll you know go further into the numbers in just a moment here. But 2022 was our very first year in business. So I've been in business for five full years. My first year of business was in 2018, and you know I started as a freelance social media manager, a solopreneur. So those of you who know my story, you know that eventually I grew a boutique marketing agency that did very well. And then we transitioned into education primarily, so selling digital courses and programs. And then finally, in summer of this year, we moved to a media business model, which means that a lot of our revenue that used to come from product sales, from digital products and courses, is now being replaced by brand partnerships. Not to say that we've retired the education arm of our business entirely because we do still have our paid to create challenges, helping first-time course creators build their online course uh, and launch that in three days. But outside of those challenges that we've had throughout the year, we haven't really actively been selling anything once we retired our signature 12-month mentorship program. So what's interesting is 2022, I knew because of the decision that we made to drastically pivot our business model that we were essentially starting over in many ways, right? We were kind of restarting, rebuilding all the foundations, rebuilding our offers and selling really to a different client at the end of the day. Our education products still serve you, the listener, but our brand partnerships, the person that we're actually pitching or or selling to, the person footing the bill, right? is not our average podcast listener. It's not 
someone on our email list. Usually it's, it's, it's a representative of a brand whose mission and products and services align with ours and who we believe their products and services will add value to our community. So we partner with them to create helpful content and to make offers that make sense for you guys or recommendations that make sense for you guys. So there's a lot of change going on and with any large change in business, I knew that there was going to be a significant transition time. So I wasn't surprised when our year-to-date revenue was the first time, like I said, in five years that hasn't been an increase. So between 2018, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, all four of those years, our revenue grew every single year. And it didn't just grow, it really made leaps and bounds in terms of, you know, year over year growth. I think in my first year in 2018, which I I wasn't in business for a full 12 months because I didn't, I don't think I'd sign my first client until early to mid-February. And then I didn't really get rolling on that business until early to mid-March. But regardless, in that first year, you know, I did, I think, 80, I want to say it was like 88,000 in revenue. So just shy of six figures. And then in the first full 12 months of actually like being fully in business and working my business, um, we had reached six figures. And then that following year, 2019, we basically doubled and made $180,000 in revenue. That's when we were still a service-based business entirely. And then in 2020, um, again, made a huge jump, more than doubled our revenue to 560000 And then last year, in 2021, we ended the year just shy of 750000 so three quarters of a million. And this year... If we hadn't made the change that we did, I was fairly confident entering into 2022 that we were going to hit our first seven-figure year. Of course, as you can see, that didn't happen. Um, and it is widely because of you know two things. One, we retired two huge revenue generators for us. One was the signature program that I already mentioned. And then the other one was a funnel that we had kept running for most of 2020 and 2021. It was a really large revenue generator, multiple six-figure income stream in our business that had started to wane towards the end of 2021. And then we fully stopped selling in early 2022. So those two decisions and and then factored in with total shift in business model led to our first year where our year-to-date revenue was actually lower and didn't grow. But here's the cool part. So our year-to-date revenue for 2022 was just shy of 554000 I'm not going to give you the exact dollar amounts because I realize as we're sharing this information publicly that for you know, tax purposes and for uh, security purposes, it is it is smarter to give just as close as I can, but round even numbers. So just shy of five hundred fifty four thousand, and our profit from that. Uh, when you look at our P and L, our profit was a little over one hundred forty five thousand, actually just shy of one forty six. But that is not 
factoring in the context that we made a $60,000 investment around May of this year, like an asset purchase that I briefly alluded to in one of my income reports in 2022, I can't remember which one, that this was going to be a long-term cash flowing asset that would produce income for us, but it was going to take at least 12 months for me to start to see the returns uh, on that investment. So I made that investment in May knowing I probably wouldn't see really any true gains from that until May of this year, 2023. So I haven't given you guys an update on that or revealed what it is yet because I want to be sure that I fully tested it um, before I report back on any findings. So the reason I tell you that is because in actuality, our profit from the business this year was two, if you add that 60,000 back in, in, and we exclude that purchase, it was actually, um, over $205,000, which is our highest profit of any year that we've been in business. And keep in mind last year we made all, you know, almost three quarters of a million dollars. So we made essentially $200,000 less this year in top line revenue, but our profit was higher than last year, which is absolutely wild to me. So that tells me something about how we are allocating our spending and our expenses. And I'm really proud of us for what we've done this year, despite not selling at the volume that I know that we are capable of and intentionally choosing to pull back in a lot of areas. So that's just something I wanted to highlight for you all that, you know, ultimately profit your, your net take home that you keep in your business is more important than your top line revenue. I think most people know that, but I think it's also important to remember that even profit is not the best measure or the only measure of your business's financial success. I've said this before and I will keep saying it. It's a hill I will die on because profit margin at the end of the day is a direct measure of your priority. It's a reflection of your priority in a very specific moment in time. The way I think about it is in many ways, it it mirrors a credit score. You know, we all have credit scores, right? Personal credit scores, business credit scores. And it's kind of the same idea that someone could have a bad credit history or a bad credit score, but that doesn't mean that their financial future is doomed, right? Credit scores are malleable. They can change and they can be increased. They can decrease. And sometimes they can drop points or increase points over a mere matter of weeks. And so when you're looking at someone's score, it's, it's merely a snapshot of a moment in time. It is not necessarily an indication of where they're going to be 12 months from that point or where they were even 12 months before that point. A lot can happen with time and with specific actions, right? It's, it's able to be manipulated in in a sense. Profit margin is the same thing. You can inflate your profit margin by simply spending way less or making way more, right? But spending way less, if we look at that side of the equation, can just mean that you're not taking the risks that you actually want to take. Maybe you're not investing as much as you could be investing, pouring back into your business because you want your profit margins to stay high. Like if I looked at this, if I looked at my numbers and I said, I just want to maximize profit margin at all costs, 
Could I have had even higher profit margins than I did this year? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think we ended the year, if you do the math, it's around like 26% pre-tax profit margin, right? Which is a little shy of the 30% target that we're usually aiming for. And the reason, I've explained this more in depth in past income reports, but the reason we aim for that 30% is that is the uh, profit margin that my finance team has come up with that is sustainable for my specific business over the long term. So like over the long run of my business, if I maintain around a 30% pre-tax profit margin, we are in a healthy cash position to continue to grow, to have cash reserves for a rainy day, um, to be able to pay our taxes, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's a general quick measure of our financial health, but it is by no means a hard and fast set black and white rule that must be met every single quarter or even every single year in order for our business to have had a successful year. So it just kind of tells me that I'm I'm on track, right? So that's that little piece of context. But what I'm saying here is that if I wanted to artificially inflate my profit, I totally could have, right? And by the way, that 26% pre-tax profit margin is not adding back in that 60,000 that I spent. So that's based on just the um 145,000 or so profit that shows up on my actual P&L. If you added in the 60,000 of the asset purchase, that again, that was a risk or an investment that I did not have to make. If I had just wanted to artificially inflate my profit, I could have kept that $60,000 in the business, not spent it so it wouldn't be an expense if I didn't spend it, right? And then if I took that number, that 205,000 or so profit, now my profit margins are significantly higher. I mean, I didn't do the math on it, but it would probably what is that? 205 divided by 553 or 554 is like I don't know, like 40% something something around that mark. Do you see how easy it could be to adjust your profit margin just by choosing to spend less or take less risks in certain areas? But do you also see how doing so is not always actually in the best interest of your business for the long-term growth? Because I know that that investment that I made last May is going to pay off in the coming years, but I also knew that I wouldn't see it right away. It's not always this quick you know, 30, 60, 90 day turnaround where you're going to see that cash flow come back. And you had to trust in yourself as a leader to understand your bigger picture vision and know where you're headed and be able to make those decisions saying, okay, do I have enough cash reserves in the bank that I can make this decision and be okay with not seeing that return for a while? You know? So I just wanted to give you guys that extra piece of understanding. So you you can look at your own numbers from this past year. And my goal for you is that whatever your profit margin ended up being, that you don't let that mean something about the success of your business. Is it an important metric to measure? Absolutely. But is it the only indication of your financial health or even the best indicator of your financial health? I personally don't think so. It's just a reflection of a priority that you have in that moment in time. Inevitably, when you're in a season of scale, you're going to spend more or take more risks or invest more back into the business, and your profit margins are going to reflect lower as a result of that. And then in a season where those finally pay off and maybe you're in a stage of maintenance, 
your profit margins might seem higher, right? And neither situation is good or bad. It's just a reflection of a different priority at that moment in time. Okay. Let's move on to looking at the year at large in terms of where our revenue came from. I know you guys loved when we did this last year. So last year in our quarter four 2021 income report, I went over our seven main income streams from the last year. This year I actually have nine. Um, and whether that is a good or bad thing, I'll, I'll kind of talk about that a little bit as I, as I go through this. So our top five income streams or revenue streams in order from highest percentage of our revenue brought to lowest are in this order. Number one was our membership sales. So our 12 month membership that we retired, that was still, even though we stopped selling it completely the first week of August was still our highest revenue generator. And I talk about this, I think more in depth um, most in depth, I should say, in my quarter two income report from 2022, where I explained the, the decision behind retiring our most profitable and highest revenue generating offer, because that in and of itself was a huge risk. But it was a necessary thing I had to do for the direction I wanted to move in. So if you want more um, details behind that decision, go back and listen to that income report because I share those. But membership sales, 34.8% of our total revenue this year. Next highest was our affiliate income. This was surprising to me. 18% of our revenue came from affiliate income this year. Mostly about 50% of that came from one specific partner that we have been promoting and working with since 2019. So again, this shows the power of longevity, right? When you work at one offer or one partnership for a sustained period of time, the multiplier effect, right? The the stacking of, of, it's kind of like interest, right? That compound factor year over year of getting just a little bit better is going to make huge gains for you over a number of years. But if you're only looking at it within the short-term lens, it may not look like the best use of your time. So what's cool is the membership sales at you know 34.8% of our total revenue was definitely a multi-six-figure uh, income stream. Affiliate income almost, almost hit six figures on its own. We were, I think, literally like three or $400 shy of hitting 100K with affiliate income, which is astounding because if you go back to our last quarter four income report from 2021, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I know we were nowhere close to $100,000 or making that a six-figure standalone income stream on its own. So just to see the growth in this one year has been really cool. And it's also really encouraging for the business model that we're going towards where we're creating a lot of high-quality free content for you, the listener, and working with aligned brands to help uh, you know, fund that that type of work so that you get to benefit from that free content and access to that content. And then, you know, it's being paid for um, through our, our partners, essentially, that believe in our mission, believe in the work that we're doing, and want to serve our audience as well. Third on that list of our total revenue streams or income streams um, is brand partnerships at 15.4%. So, Brand partnerships services 
We still have uh, one major marketing client. I also do some consulting work on the side. Um, not very much of it. Very rarely. I rarely take it on because it, in my opinion, at this moment in time, it's more of a distraction um, than a place that I want to focus my attention and energy to. But revenue streams, three, four, five in order, brand partnerships, services, and then pay to create challenge. Those three were all more or less um, about the same percentage. So actually, I think I flipped the order of services and brand partnerships. Services should have been number three on the list. It's 16%, then brand partnerships, 15.4%, then pay to create 13.8% of our total revenue from the year. So those three were very similar in terms of what they pulled into the business. And it's really cool because, you know, between, you know, the number two, three, four, five, all four of those revenue streams were very, very close to being standalone six-figure revenue streams. So we're building a business that has, you know, pretty good diversification in terms of knowing that, okay, if one arm isn't doing as well, or if we even cut it off completely, <laughs> like with the uh, 12-month membership, like we did with that when we retired it, we still have other arms in our business that are generating healthy revenue, healthy profits, and are continuing to grow year after year and building on that momentum, right? That compact effect, like I mentioned just a moment ago. So I'm very excited to see where we're at next year with affiliate income, brand partnership, services, and pay to create. We have not tried to, to grow services at all since, I guess, late 2019. So I don't anticipate... Um, the amount of money from that particular revenue stream changing for the better. If anything, it may go down next year because we are actively not taking on any clients, right? We're just maintaining what we have until, you know, until that runs its course. But for the others, for affiliate income, brand partnerships, and paid to create challenge, I do anticipate seeing growth for those three areas. And so it'll be cool to look back at this next year with you all and see, you know, this year they were almost at the six-figure mark. Next year, I have no doubt they will be past them. And and how far past that is, you know, a chance for us to reflect and look at it at that point. All right. The last three income streams from last year were speaking digital products, events, and my secret revenue stream. Um, and those four were all under 1%. So almost insignificant in terms of what they contributed to our business, maybe a couple thousand dollars over the course of the year. And when looking at that, again, it makes sense why those four panned out the way that they did, right? So for our digital products, we created a few templates and um, actually, I'm trying to think, we, we weren't selling really any sort of mini course, but we did create a few templates and replays of live events that we've hosted this year and sold them um, or made them available to purchase. We had no active marketing strategy to sell any of these other than just including them in our newsletter so that people knew they existed. Uh, we didn't run any ads toward them. We didn't we just made no active effort to market any of these. So again, unsurprising that it reflected in how little it contributed to our revenue. In 2023, what's interesting is I don't I don't know how much I want to share just yet, but now that we've retired the 12-month membership program, 
we're going to be working on this new offer that's quietly being launched over the next 60 to 90 days to our existing buyers. Um, it'll be by invite only for a while until we you know, have brought in our founding group and kind of tested things out a little bit. But it will be kind of a rebirth of a membership, but not like anything we've done before. It's not curriculum-based. I'm not your coach. Nothing like that. It's not going to be high ticket. Um, so we're, we're kind of recreating a brand new signature offer that will bring in some of those elements of the products that we've made available throughout this past year in 2022. So some of those digital products and then a, a form of a membership. But again, totally different than anything we've done. I just don't want to give too much away because it's. It, I'm really excited about it. And it's one of those things where I'm feeling very confident in the value that it will provide to each of you because it's one of those things, unlike most investments in business, that will literally give you an ROI on day one, on day one. So it's not like, okay, join this program, learn this skill or strategy or system, implement, and then hopefully you see an ROI. It's going to be a thing that I want to create instant ROI. The, The moment you buy it, it's like you've made your money back. So anyways, that's all I'm going to say about that for now. But all this to say that that little piece, digital products as a revenue stream, I think is going to uh, change in, in its importance in 2023. Now, speaking and events and my secret revenue stream, which is the the investment that I made back in May that I've talked about a couple times now in this episode. Um, I'm not going to tell you what that is yet. Like I said, uh, we'll circle back to it probably honestly, probably in the quarter three income report of this year, Q3 2023. So probably not till the fall um, is is likely the first time that I will actually share what it is and, and what I learned from it. So to be continued. Um, but for speaking, so speaking, I've had some amazing opportunities over 2022 to speak both in person and virtually. And I'm so grateful for every invitation that I get to go and speak to a new community. And it's just so much fun. Like speaking is is genuinely fun for me. I love the connection piece. I love the after when I get to have those more one-on-one private conversations with attendees and, and hear their biggest takeaways and answer their questions. And we have some really amazing events lined up in 2023 that I'm speaking at. Um, I'm actually headed to Dallas and Nashville this month to speak at two conferences that I'm very, very much looking forward to. So I won't get too into that because now we're kind of looking at this this year, right? This present year. And the purpose of this income report is to reflect back. So I won't get too much into that. But all this to say, I, I don't really feel that speaking is necessarily a revenue stream that I'm actively looking to scale as a, you know, a big player in the percentage of our revenue streams right now. So it's kind of a whatever it is, it is sort of situation. Like, you know, I'm only doing paid speaking engagements at this moment. So that is a boundary or a, um, you know, something that I've implemented into my business that is respectful of my limited time capacity and energy at this moment. Um, but it is not something I'm actively pursuing. I'm not pitching myself to speak places. It's really all inbound at this moment and just kind of sorting through which which opportunities feel aligned for me. So that will probably stay more or less the same in 2023. Um, and then events. So events was also, like I said, under 1% of our total revenue for the year in 2022. And most of that is 
because we we did one larger scale cubicle to CEO event in August of last year. And that was incredible. We're wanting to recreate that again this year in Seattle. So I'm actively working on that project right now as we're recording this. But outside of that one event, and that event, keep in mind, like tickets were $50 still. So it was still very low ticket. We didn't have any paid sponsors for that particular event. And that was our bigger event, right? So the smaller events that we hosted throughout 2022 were all hosted at my women's co-working space that I own in Oregon. I have an entirely separate episode about that uh, separate business. My co-working space is called Cubicle to CEO Clubhouse. So it is a physical extension of our online community. That's how I typically um, describe it. And if you are curious to learn more about my venture into the brick and mortar space and owning a local business, you can listen to that podcast episode. It's one of our behind the business episodes where I go into how I opened the co-working space, um, how I bootstrapped that, all of that. So we'll link it below in the show notes if you're curious. But all of our events outside of that one bigger event were hosted at my clubhouse. And the clubhouse is very small. Those of you who have been in person, um, you know, like the maximum capacity in that entire space, if everyone's spread out, is probably like 25 people. So for most of our events, we were limiting or capping seats at like 15 or under. Um, so not a huge potential to make a lot of money through those events. But the community building aspect of those events was amazing. And the asset building aspect of those events, meaning using those events to generate photo assets that we could use in our marketing materials or to generate content that we could uh, repurpose as digital products or repurpose for the new offer that we are creating, that still made sense for us as, as a you know use of our time and our resources. So do I see events being a large revenue generator for us in the new year? Probably not. Um, do I see it playing a bigger role? Yes. I hope so. Yes. Because for this next event, if we're going to go through with it, we do need event sponsors to to really make it uh, worthwhile use of our time and to plan it the way that we want to plan it. Um, so I, I think it will be a bigger player next year, like certainly more than 1% of our total revenue, but it's not a primary focus in terms of uh, scaling that revenue stream necessarily. Okay. We are moving into the final part of this income report. So I give you a look at the past 90 days, give you some context around that. We looked at the year as a whole, the different income streams, what percentages, each of them played, um, you know, the story and context behind that. Something that I always share in terms of expenses, because um, you guys are always curious, our two biggest expense categories have remained consistent for pretty much two years now. And unsurprisingly, if you've been a longtime listener of our income reports, you probably already know they are labor and advertising and marketing, labor playing the bigger or the biggest piece of the pie in terms of where we spend our money. So if you don't adjust for the big investment that I made for my secret revenue stream, then labor was actually a ginormous piece of our expense pie this year, um, like 68%. If you exclude the large purchase that I made in the spring, um, 
And when I say purchase, I mean, because we had to pay to have this built, right? Um, then our labor is much more reasonable. It's it's around 39.5%, which is still higher than I would like it to be for the type of business that we have, but it is not as outrageous as 68%. Um, I just wanted to share that extra layer because I don't want you to look at that number 68% and think, oh, that is what it normally is. It's not. Um, it's not an accurate reflection of what our labor generally tends to flow at, which is more around that 40% range. Um, the 68% is highly inflated by that one big investment of our resources. So, you know, again, this is why context is so key. If I were to just give you numbers and not share any of the why behind them, it's so easy to completely misunderstand the number, right? This this is why it's also so important that anytime you hear numbers from anyone, really take it with a grain of salt if you don't know the story behind it. If you don't have the context, don't look at someone else's business and go, oh, because they're spending this much or they made this much or their profit margins this, it must mean this. Those are simply assumptions. And I can tell you most of the time from the outside looking in, your assumptions are probably wrong. So you know, I'll always take any advice or anything that you're absorbing with a grain of salt because I want you to be really, really careful of what you let influence your own decision making, right? Because keep in mind, your business is very unique to you. And it's very unlikely that your business is going to 100% match up with someone else's. So it's more important, it's it's more important to actually understand how numbers influence your decision making as a CEO and and how you can take those lessons with you in applying to your own numbers than to actually copy someone else's numbers. And I talk about this whole concept like breaking down what are the seven key numbers that you should be tracking in your business every month? How do you use those numbers to influence the decisions that you make as a leader of your business? And how does profit margin come into play? How how do you view it in terms of um, a, a measurement of your business's financial health? All of these things, right? Just managing cash flow. Um, I actually taught, by the time you're listening to this episode, by the time it goes live, we will have already wrapped up our 2023 planning workshop that we're hosting uh, on January 12th, Let's Get Intentional. It's a workshop co-hosted between me and four other business experts who are some of my most trusted friends in business. And if you listen to our uh, bonus episode from a couple weeks ago, uh, the first bonus episode that aired on our show that gives you a little bit more context about that event. But by the time you hear this, that event will already be over, the live aspect of it at least. But the recording will be available for purchase. So if you're listening to this and this conversation today has intrigued you, has gotten you to think a little deeper about your own numbers and and what you should be tracking, how you look at your numbers in impacting your decisions... I think you'll really love my session. It's a 20-minute session, cash flow like a CEO. We walk through all of these things that I just mentioned. And at the end, I guide you through a offer revenue audit. So I actually help you kind of holistically look at all the offers that you are making time and space and you know investing resources toward. And we look at what is actually most profitable and joyful in your business 
and how do you double down on what's working really well for you in 2023. So you get that 20-minute session, my workshop paired with my guided activity, as well as four other amazing workshops on money, mindset, and marketing. We cover all areas that are really going to help you be super intentional with how you approach business in 2023. So if you want access to that, if you are listening to this and you missed the live event, but you want the recording to go through each of these five mini workshops at your own pace, on your own time, and implement them to help really set you up for success this year, then I want you to head to ellenyin.com slash 2023, and you'll be able to access the workshop there. Again, that link is ellenyin.com slash 2023. We will put that in the show notes below for you as well if you want the direct clickable link. Okay. My very last note for this income report before we sign off is I promised you a little bit more context in December about why there was a steep nosedive in the revenue and why the profits were so low for this last quarter. Um, Well, I shouldn't say for the whole quarter, just for December, which therefore impacted the entire quarter as a whole, is we front-loaded a lot of our expenses in December this year, so or in 2022, because I'm recording this in 2023. But in December, looking ahead, I knew there were s- certain things that I wanted to invest in in the new year, and the, some of the things I paid for in 2022. So, like if there was, let's say, travel costs, right, for the two speaking engagements that I'm going on. Well, okay, that's not a good example because for speaking engagements, usually my travel is covered. But let's just, in this hypothetical, use that as an example because it's easy to understand. Let's say I'm going to an event in January. Um, I could purchase, let's say, my event ticket. I could purchase my flights in December in anticipation for utilizing them in January. But if I pay for them in December, then that expense is counted in my 2022 expenses, right? So it reduces your taxable income because the more you spend, obviously the less profit you actually have. So the less, less taxable income you have for that year. Now, did it impact it significantly? No, but we, we did, you know, try to front load some expenses in December for the following year. And then we actually pushed off or postponed a lot of the invoices. So, um, invoices that our brand partners needed to pay, we actually asked them to wait until the new year to pay them. So in December, I pretty much spent that entire month negotiating, pitching uh, new brand partnerships on the back end. So December was very quiet on um, on the front end, like online. I think even if you go look at my Instagram, I may be posted like two times in all of December. I spent a lot of time off with my family. Um, it was awesome, honestly. But behind the scenes, I was like, especially in the first two weeks of December, I was working really hard on securing some big partnerships for 2023. And we were very successful in doing so. We landed two of our largest partnerships to date. And I think we enter 2023 having secured almost six figures worth in contracts. So that you know puts us in a really healthy position to start the year. Now, securing a contract is not the same thing as um, cash received, right? Some of these contracts are multiple five-figure contracts, but they're not being paid in full right up front. They're being um, you know, paid over multiple installments over the course of this entire year. So we're not going to see all that cash flow come in at once. But a lot of these contracts, you know, that are painful or that, 
had a first installment due that could have been paid in December and would have made our quarter four numbers look much more promising in 2022, I purposely had them postpone payment until the new year, until January. And so that gives you a little bit more context as to why December that month was so much lower than you know, you you would have anticipated. Um, it was on purpose. So that kind of wraps up all the context I have for you um, on this most recent quarterly income report, as well as 2022 at large. My parting thought for you today, I heard, I either heard this on a podcast or read it in a newsletter. And I really, really apologize that I cannot think of where I read this or heard this to give credit. <laughs> so this is not my thought, but um it really resonated with me. So I apologize if, if you're maybe the person who made this comment and, and you're hearing this. Thank you. My gratitude to you. Um, I wish I could remember who I heard this from to give credit, but I digress. So it was this conversation and this founder was basically saying, when you are building a legacy business or you have a long-term vision for your business and you understand that you love this process of being an entrepreneur, of being a founder, of building your business, and you have no plans to take a quick exit and basically drop off the face of the earth, right? Like you want to build something that is sustainable in the long term and that you can work through year after year after year. If you love that process and you have that long-term vision for your company, then you start to make decisions differently. You have the luxury of making some of those bigger, riskier bets or moving slower in terms of how you're investing, right? Like instead of pouring, let's say, I don't know, $200,000 into ads because you're like, if I do that this year, then I'm going to skyrocket my sales. But maybe that comes at the expense of maybe your customer experience. Maybe the delivery on the back end isn't so great because you didn't invest equally, let's say, in customer support, right? Things like that. If you're looking at everything through a very short-term lens of what is going to make me the most amount of money the fastest and how do I get that as fast as humanly possible, you are approaching business in a totally different way than someone who has that luxury of a long-term legacy mindset. That's like, you know what? I can make those bigger bets that I'm okay with if I don't see the cash flow back immediately, right? It may take multiple months, maybe even multiple years for that to really pay off. But in the meantime, I've set the foundations up for success where I know my business can sustain that loss or that limited cash flow from that investment until it it can repay itself because I see the value in it long term. Or on the flip side, even though I could, you know, pour a bunch of cash or or whatever it is into a certain thing and see my sales spike, I'm going to drip it out slower. Instead of putting it all in at once to spike sales, I'm going to slowly implement it and see a sustainable growth over the long term because I want this company or this business to last a long time and I plan to be part of the ride for a long time. So, I loved this conversation because it really made me think about how am I approaching business? Am I approaching business with that legacy mindset? Am I looking at things with the luxury of having a long time and being able to say, you know what? It doesn't need to be instantaneous. It doesn't need to be exponential for it to be a success and for it to be meaningful 
right? And I think we could all just take a page from that book. I think we could all sit on that a little longer, no matter what your goals are ultimately for your business, right? Even if you're planning to sell your business someday or to get acquired, which actually is a dream of mine for for the media company that we're building, even then, it's not like if the company sold that I would just exit the entrepreneur game, right? Like I love building businesses. I love doing this work. It is fulfilling to me. It is a hobby of mine. It's a passion of mine. And so when you approach with that mindset, it's like you don't feel that same, I think, pressure to perform in a certain way just so you look good on paper when it's a mess behind the scenes, right? And I think that's what I'm taking into this new year with me, you know, along that theme of being intentional, right? Is how are we building something that's going to last? And even if it takes us much longer than, you know, society would pressure us to have it take, even if it's another year this year in 2023 of slow growth or no growth, right? In terms of top line revenue, uh, bottom line profit, even if on paper, it seems like you didn't move the needle, I know that there are things happening behind the scenes that are moving the needle, that are having a long-term impact. You just might not be able to see it right away. And so that's what I'm going to leave you with today. I really hope that speaks to your heart the same way that it did mine. I appreciate you so much for being on this journey with me, for letting me share my income reports with you for four years now, for being part of this amazing, wild adventure of being an entrepreneur, being a founder. And I look forward to what 2023 brings for both of us. I'm cheering for you always. I'll catch you in the next episode. Hey, Ellen here. Thank you again for tuning in to Cubicle to CEO. If you enjoyed today's episode, follow our show on Instagram at Cubicle to CEO for more bonus content and hop on the last Tuesday of each month to watch our live after show with recent guests. If you want to support our podcast, text this episode link to a friend, leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts, or rate our show wherever you're listening right now. Please make sure you also hit the follow button on Apple. It looks like a plus sign or click subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss out on our new episodes every Monday. And friends, until next time, keep dreaming big.